Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in the discussion we're doing um, at this point in time through the New Testament. And we've been working on this for over four years. Um, we're into the book of Hebrews now. Um, just as a review, because I actually haven't uh, spoken for a few weeks. And let me thank everybody that kind of stepped in over the last few weeks and spoke. Uh, um, we had you know, Pastor Billy spoke a few weeks ago, and then Georgina spoke, and she did a great job last week. Mike spoke, um, uh, the, the author of Gravity, and I appreciate all them kind of stepping in and taking a little uh, time. Um, I spent one Wednesday away at our satellite church in Ocala, and that was fun. I taught up there. So it's not like I haven't been teaching or anything. I've been busy. I just... Uh, wasn't wasn't here, but I was somewhere else doing it. And the other weeks, it was just good to have someone step in. Um, and so we haven't looked at Hebrews now for a few weeks, but we're back in. And, and actually, this is the last chapter in the book of Hebrews. And uh, and we're we're plunging towards the end of the New Testament. It's pretty exciting when you think we're four years in and that we're we've really made some ground. We've already done all the Gospels. We've done the Book of Acts. We've done all of the Paul's letters. Um, we just are finishing Hebrews. So we've got to do James yet, and that's probably what we'll go into next. Um, but, of course, next week I invited Mike to come back and speak. So Mike Edwards, the author of Gravity, he'll be back. Um, but we'll do the following. We'll start the book of James, and we'll go through that. It's a great book, um, and very interesting. Um, James, um, uh, James talks a lot more about action than uh, some of the other guys. So it's good about doing things. So very, very, very good stuff. And then we've got First uh, and Second Peter, First, Second, and Third John, Jude, and then we get into Revelation. Uh, so um, that's going to be, studies on Revelation are always very interesting, uh, I think. And so we'll be, we have our course laid for the next, uh, the rest of the year. And it should be about another, you know, nine or ten months, I think, to finish. So we're still heading about finishing up with the New Testament at the end of this year, 2014. And then we should be new to, uh, Old Testament bound in uh, 2015, digging in. And then that's 15 years. So we won't finish until 2030. Awesome, right? It makes lesson planning a lot easier for me. Um, all right, so we're in the book of Hebrews. Remember, Hebrews now, just as a refresher, was written to Jewish Christians facing tremendous persecution from the culture and from um, the established religious community, um, the, you know, the... Uh, uh, the Jewish community didn't like um, the, the new Christians, and so they're being persecuted from all sides, stretched out a measure, um, that at some point they're, they're sort of starting to get tired of it, and um, they're considering just going back to the old way of doing things. And the writer of Hebrews, we're not exactly sure who the writer of Hebrews has been um, throughout this letter, telling them why that's not even really a, a plausible option. And he's introduced all sorts of new things, uh, new ideas to them, about why what they have is so much better now. He talked in, about the new priesthood that we have in Christ, um, you know, uh, that, that replaces the Levitical priesthood. He's talked about the new covenant, replacing the old covenant, or completing the old covenant, if you'd rather have it that way. Um, the new, you know, the sacrifice that he gave that was once and for all that ends the need for constant sacrifice over and over again. Um, he's been through all of those things in great detail. Now in this last chapter, he'll sort of summarize some of this stuff uh, for us and point up some things that we need to know. And, and let me just say, the, the writer of Hebrews, um, it, it's, he never, uh, in writing it, he never suggests that the old way was wrong. I want to make sure you, you hear that. Um, because it, it was a system that was instituted by God, and so in and of itself, it was good. 
But what you need to know was it was temporary. It was always intended to be temporary, um, and, and it was a temporary system. It, it foreshadowed what was going to come. And, and when the new came that the old mirrored, um, the reality replaced the shadows. So the old priesthood faded away, uh, and, and a single high priest took his stand in the heavens. Um, a single sacrifice by Jesus replaced the endless repetition of sacrifices and, and the promise of uh, an ability to enter into the presence of God was made possible because of the work of Christ. And so rather than um, one high priest who, who, could, uh, who, try, who could only access the presence of God once a year with all sorts of stuff for the entire people now, in Christ everyone has access to the presence of God. And so the, the whole letter, um, uh, not only to the Jewish believers, but to us today, it's a, it's a call, um, if you would, to, to recognize the superiority of Jesus and, and to make him the center of your life. And, and that we're, we're to leave the old way of doing things and embrace um, the new way of doing things in Christ and that, that we'll find that everything we need for life is in Christ. That's what he's encouraging the believers. They're going to have to leave everything that they're sort of used to but they're going to find life the way they never could before in Christ. And then um, the writer of Hebrews ends um, the book in much the same way um, that Ephesians and Colossians are ended, which is why you know, some people had speculated that Paul wrote it, but most scholars don't believe that now. They believe it was one of his companions. But the, 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 the way this has all always worked out is in loving well. And uh, we're to keep loving each other and, and as we love God. And, and that love is, is holiness, you know, lived out in the body of Christ. And so that's kind of the, the idea of this last chapter. So uh, 25 verses in uh, Hebrews 13. I'm going to read those. I'll be reading out of the NIV. And we'll just talk about them briefly um, before we dismiss tonight. Hebrews 13, verses 1 through 25. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and institute their and imitate pardon me, their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace not by ceremonial foods, which are of no value to those who eat them. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. 
And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written you only a short letter. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all God's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. And blessed be the word of the Lord. I love reading these letters in the New Testament. When you, do you ever read them and think about I mean, because I, I think about them, I mean, I've told you, you know, think about them in context and try and think about the stories. But do you ever think about one of the saints sitting down and writing that letter? And that's, I mean, that literally happened. That's one of the guys who loved Jesus at some point in time a couple thousand years ago, and whatever the situation, sat down and wrote that letter, just wrote it out. I mean, how, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but I mean, never forget how we get these things. And it was a letter. It was, it was a, uh, uh, under the anointing of, of the Spirit of God, you know, inspired love letter to a group of people that were struggling in their walk, written by someone who wanted to see them continue to press on and do well. It's lasted 2,000 years and still impacts us today. And uh, I love the, the way those things are, you know, started and ended, you know, with, with everybody. Hey, they, we send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. This is sort of write it out as it goes. I, I think that's the, the, some of the neatest stuff that we got to remember when we read the book about how, how it came to be and, and someone sitting and, and you know, just, just writing it down. Such, a, such an amazing thing. So there's some uh, highlights in that chapter I want to talk about um, as, we, as we end up with uh, Hebrews 13. First six verses um, I, I think really demonstrate something that we talk about here all the time. It's the, the importance of encouraging and loving others well and being thankful. Um, that these are um, hallmarks of the Christian life, uh, I believe. Um, we're talking about that on the weekends right now. You know, loving our neighbors as ourselves and, and what that means. And, and you know, I, I talked about that a lot last week. We're talking about on Sundays the, the idea is that with all of the same, you know, passion and everything that we have now for God, we're to, we're to you know, desire that for the people we encounter uh, in the world and, and that, you know, we're to, we're to encourage and we're to love and that in, in the context of that, you know, it, it says, he said in there, don't be lovers of money. Um, it, to me, it's always about being thankful and um, one of the reasons I stress that all the time, you know, you need to start every day. I, I, I still believe this to be one of the most important habits, if you would, that you will ever pick up in your life. That's why I, I talk about it so often. If you would start every day just thinking about five things that you're thankful for, it will change the way that you go through the day. But it needs to become something you do every day, every day, every day, every day. Start thinking about what you're thankful for. Because if you'll do that, it, it, it sort of takes away the, the other thing that we tend to think about is where we spend all our time thinking about, you know, what we don't have or, you know, what other people have 
or what we wish we had or whatever it is that keeps us unsettled instead of just going there's something about thinking about what you're thankful for that gets you tracked in with where you're going to really have life with God and there's always something to be thankful for even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances and the hardest of days there's something and, and so you know I want to encourage you again as I, I just as I was reading through the chapter and studying this week I thought it was it was just pointing to that whole idea um, you know why we always do the you know always telling you be thankful for five things encourage two people it's the heart of this whole thing as far as getting us in that good spot of walking this thing out is that it gets us outside of ourselves you know we, we realize how God, good God is and all that he's done and we get that settled again and we start moving in that direction and then we look for people to encourage and to love well and, and if we're looking God will show them to us and I just think it's a very important way of, of getting our focus right and making sure we don't become you know self-focused or self-obsessed and we're just willing to live for him and to, to live the way he would have us live also in there's a little thing I thought was cool um, about entertaining angels did you did you hear that verse be some people have entertained angels without realizing it that's pretty cool isn't it what do you think about that I think that's neat and uh, I think it still happens which is pretty interesting too so um, you know I don't know I don't know if you got we're not gonna stop and do angel stories but um, but I wrote I got a couple for you um, not mine but Bible ones because that's much better if you can get them in the Bible I like this story this is of Gideon you can I'm, I'm gonna read you the verse it didn't make the note page but uh, it's Judges 6 11 through 13 if you want to look it up and uh, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a rind press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But, sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our father told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hand of Midian. I like this thing though. So the, the angel of the Lord comes and he's sitting under the oak and over watching Gideon um, um, sift wheat um, he, and, and thresh wheat. And the whole story is kind of funny um, because see the, in, if, you've never, if you've ever read Judges before, um, Judges is a picture of the people of Israel in a sin cycle. Um, it's just, and, and, and what it would happen is the people of Israel would, would they'd be doing good with God and then all of a sudden they'd get complacent and they'd start turning to false gods and bad things and they'd fall into sin really bad and, and then God would say, okay, I'm going to take his hand off of them for a little while so they'd figure out what they were doing and these, these countries around them would rise up and invade them and take over them and oppress them and this would go on for 30 or 40 years and then you go, hey, you know, it was much better when we walked with God and they'd cry out to God in repentance and God would raise up one of these judges who would come in and straighten up Israel again and they would all start serving God and they would have a really good season again and then they would get complacent and they'd keep going through this cycle it's just a picture throughout judges and Gideon is one of the judges he raises up but I love this so if you, if you kept the see whenever they would um, whenever they would get anything together the people of Israel the Midians would just come in and take it from them so, so now um, this, is, this is Gideon who's he's hiding in a wine press he's threshing wheat and, and part of the way that they, they, they threshed wheat was they, they used uh, some sort of implement like a pitchfork I, I, I don't, and, and they would kind of separate it and let the air grab some of the stuff out of it that need to go and it would, it would separate so they ended up with wheat and he's having to do it down in a hole so the Midians can't see him 
But at the same time, if you think about it, it also is blocking all the air that he needs to make it happen. I think that's funny for one thing. And I love what the angel says to him too. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior, hiding in a wine press <laughs> so that no one can see you. Um, I, I just think it's fascinating. But God knew his heart, see? And the angel of the Lord spoke to Gideon, and Gideon rises up, and with a very small group, they overthrow with the, the help of God um, the oppressors of Midian, and Israel goes into another good part of the cycle, and then it happens again. Uh, and it, um, here, here it happens, another little story of an angel showing up in Judges, um, and this is um, with a guy named Manoah, uh, in Judges 13, 2 and 3. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was sterile and remained childless. And the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you're sterile and childless, but you're going to conceive and have a son. Um, so here's another angel showing up. And they, they, these guys, they would just refer to them as people because they didn't, apparently that's how they showed up to them. Just, they didn't know. They'd entertained angels without really realizing what was going on in the process. And this would happen throughout different spots in the Old Testament. I have no reason to think that it doesn't still happen. Um, so, so now I want to tell you an angel story. And I hadn't thought I was going to. Should I? Quick angel story. Justin, you can, you can take it for what it is. Um, so when I was 19, I was, a, uh, I was not a Christian. Um, uh, I had, for the first time ever, about a year ago, heard about Jesus. And I think I've told you part of that story. No, it was, it was during this time. All right, so... I, I had barely heard about Jesus, but um, I had sort of uh, uh, not really ever thought it was a real thing. Anyway, I was working on a power plant, and there was an accident, and I can't get into all the details of the accident, because uh, it would just take too long in the story. But it was in this big steel tank on a nuclear power plant that wasn't operational yet, and um, uh, they were welding all over this plant under construction with argon gas. And argon gas is heavier than oxygen, and this huge steel tank, when I say here, is probably... 20 feet across and, I don't know, 50 feet high or something. It's 30 feet high. Big, huge tank. Um, it would be part of the steam generation mess. Uh, someone had fallen down into this tank. And there was a ladder. There was like a little hole in the top and a ladder that went down the side of the tank so they could work down and do some welding in this tank. And um, Somebody had fallen by. I was on the job early. And one of the things I used to do was go and check and make sure the safety teams had checked all these places out so they were safe. And I was on my rounds doing that wasn't part of the safety team. I was the next step in the cog. And they hadn't been to this tank, and somebody had not paid attention. It was one of the, uh, one of the main guys on that job, actually. He just was looking things around, and he'd started to walk down this tank, and uh, apparently what had happened was this tank had filled up with argon gas because they were welding on it somewhere down the lines, replaced all the oxygen, you know, oxygen in the tank, he'd fallen off the ladder. When I came by, someone was yelling for help uh, who was on the top of the tank, and I looked down and saw this guy at the bottom of the tank. And I was, I was young, 19, you know, bulletproof. Sorry, anybody that's 19. But when you're 19, you think, <laughs> So I just went, without even thinking about it, just went flying down the tank to go help this guy. I thought he'd just fallen off the ladder. And I remember thinking, I, and, and, I'd, and, and I'd just finished the first year of college, and I'd, at some point I'd done safety training there and new CPR and all this stuff. And I thought to myself, when I get down there, I'm going to check to see if he's breathing and go from there had that thought. All right, so I start going down the tank. Well, the tank is filled with argon gas. Argon gas, there's no oxygen. Guess what happens when your brain doesn't get oxygen? You quit thinking. At some level, you don't know what to do next. 
And I, I got down, you know, young, fit, 19, got down to the bottom of the tank. And I remember checking to see if this guy was breathing and then just kind of sitting back. It's the last thing I remember, rocking back on my knees, heels. So um, a, time goes by. I don't know how much time goes by um, because I'm... Uh, and I, 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 the next thing I know, I'm, I, for some reason, I get a little conscious thing, and now there's people like all over the bottom of this tank laying down. It's not good. Because um, apparently what had happened after I went down, so did another six, eight people. And everybody's boom on the thing. Finally, one of the safety guys shows up, and he's down there with them, and he's grabbed a, a compressed air hose, and he's blowing air all over the place, trying to replace the argon, get it moving so that there's air coming in. And, and he hits the, the hose, he gets it and throws it in my face, and so I get some oxygen, you know, for the first time. It's like, ha, oh, that's good. So I was breathing. I just wasn't breathing oxygen. So there we go. And, I, and so I have this, I can see people scattered all around again. And then he gets another, I get another wave of it, and I go... So you, once you have a thought, it's like, I want to get out of here. <laughs> that was the next thought I remember having. I want out now. And so I stumbled back to the ladder, and I fall into the ladder because I still don't have enough oxygen. And he puts the hose in my face again, but he's got all these other people he's trying to deal with. He gets the hose in my face again, and I take off up this ladder. All right? Now, I'm going up the ladder, and, and three times, I remember it vividly, three times I go to fall off the ladder. There's somebody next to me on the side of the ladder, and they push me back on the ladder. They got their arm around me. The ladder's only this wide, and my thoughts aren't very clear. But I go up, and I get to the top, and there's, there's people up there, and they, they pull me out. It's like it was a long climb, but I went up. Like three times during it, you know, no oxygen, going to fall off. There's somebody. And as I get closer to the top, I'm starting to think, how in this guy, how in the world? Has he got ropes? Is he on a crane? What is he? Because there's not enough room for both of us, but he's right here with me. Boom, they pull me up to the top. I get out. Everybody else has to get yanked out with a crane, which comes by later. The guy who fell, unfortunately, passed away. Um, it was a terrible, terrible thing. So I'm, I'm there later on in the day, and uh, the safety guys come around to get a report from me. I tell them what happened, and I said, well, you know, listen, who was it that went up with me on the ladder? Because I want to thank them, you know, for getting me out of there, because it was a terrible situation. And uh, he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, somebody went up with me. He goes, nobody went up with you. We watched you go up, and you almost fell off several times. I said, no, no, there was somebody with me. He goes, there was nobody with you. We were there. Well, somebody was definitely with me on that ladder. I have no doubt about it. So, so we got out. So I got out, and everybody else went to the hospital for days. I got out, and I was pretty much fine. Um, and, and, uh, but I tell you all that because that was a very real experience to me, and it was, that's the night that then that guy who was my friend spent all night telling me about Jesus, the older guy, and he gave me his Bible. But I said, I told you Sunday, I said no at the end of that, even though now I'd gone from not believing like anything to a whole new perspective on, well, something's got to be happening because something just really happened to me. But remember, I said no even after all that because I don't know how you have fun. So, so I was recovered enough, and that was that night, by that night to think, yeah, I'm going to go with no. But... Um, I, something, to this day, it's a vivid memory. Something definitely went on, and there was somebody next to me that there wasn't anybody next to me. So, you know, I, I, over time, I think, I think that was an angel. Um, but, you know, I don't know. But somebody was there, and it was, wasn't any of those guys. So there you go. So do they? Yeah, I think they do. Anyway, that's my angel story. One of them. But that's all you're getting tonight. Hebrews 13, 7 and 8 goes on, and it says um, that, uh, uh, you know, as, we, as people see in this thing, I talked about church history, as people have poured their lives into us so we can walk this thing out, what we need to do is continue to pour our lives into others. And that we have to remember that, that our ultimate model for life is, and ministry is Jesus. And unlike any human leaders, he, he never changes, 
He always has been the same. He always will be. And in an ever-changing world, we can always trust in our unchanging God. We're, we're to respect the people that are our leaders, but, you know, unfortunately, people make mistakes, and, and uh, you, you want to be careful you have a good balance with that when, you, when you're looking at the people who are helping you in the journey. And then in verses 9 to 12, um, it again talks about, you know, that he's writing, and he says, you know, the law... Um, might um, help us with some of our behaviors at some point, but it never had the power to change the heart, which Jesus had. Lasting change happens in our lives when, when we begin to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. That's when things really begin to happen inwardly instead of just sort of outwardly. Um, 13 and 14, it's better to suffer with and for Jesus, even if it means leaving the camp. And by that means, even if it means everything, sort of walking from away from the things that you've previously found safety and security in um, because you, you're not going to experience life there and, and, and so we have to leave that behind and follow Christ in order to experience life. And again, Matthew six nineteen through 21, I thought of that in that um, context. Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I mean, it's the same, Jesus told us, you know, let's, let's get fixed on where we're headed with him because that's where we're going to find life. And then those last verses, 15 through 25, again, the exhortation um, of the writer is that, that we're to live lives that please God, that, that our lives, in effect, should be an offering of praise uh, and worship. Um, and that's the idea of living by trying to do the next right thing. And as we do, you know the importance of spending time in prayer, of reading the word, of, of serving others, of keeping our focus on, on Jesus as the center of our lives and continuing to, to um, yield to the Holy Spirit so that we continue to grow and mature in our walk and in our faith. And, and that's where we're going to find and experience life. So that's kind of uh, the book of Hebrews um, all, all together now. And uh, like I said, the next time we get together as a group and when I'm teaching, we're going to move into the book of James. Um, but don't forget, next week I invited Mike Edwards to come back and talk about, um, you know, talking to people about the existence of God, um, which I think is going to be really good, so I encourage you to come back. And next week, if you're watching my video on television, thank you so much for spending time with us. We really do appreciate it. I know how valuable your time is. Love for you to come and visit sometime, but, but we do thank you for watching. If you need anything, go to our website, keysvineyard.com, if you need prayer. And uh, there's a place to ask for a prayer request, and we'll, we'll pray for you, and we'll go from there. All right. You can turn that video off. If you did that, please raise your hand so I can be stopped here. I don't see anybody in that room. Literally no one is in the booth.